Okay, so uh, you've got a handout right here. That's what you want to put your hand on. Uh, you probably won't need your book. Uh, there's no telling how many of these I've got out now, probably a hundred, and I'm down to three or four this morning. So uh, you'll, you'll need these notes right here. And uh, we're going to, don't let me forget that you have a, uh, a survey to fill out. Remind me that we're going to fill that out at the end of the class. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for these men. I thank you for these men that have an interest in having a godly home. Lord, I, I believe that uh, uh, until we get back to the church promoting uh, godly homes, uh, uh, going back in society to, to the marriage, a man and a woman, uh, raising children together, uh, teaching them the things of God, we'll continue to see a, a societal down, downgrade. So I pray that you'd help us with that. I pray that we would do this in such a way that you get all the honor and glory. I pray that you'd be with these guys here. I pray that you'd bless them to be godly leaders, especially godly leaders in their home. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we do. Amen. This is our second meeting uh, of the godly home. Uh, we're, just, we're just paid seven. Uh, Paul, you want to take care of showing Paul where everything is? If you'll watch, I won't have to stop and, and get them lined out. Paul, you can move down here closer to and that way. This is our, our second meeting. Uh, this is coming straight out of this book. Uh, this is the first of about uh, seven or eight of these we're going to be using uh, to teach men and women how to have godly homes. <clears throat> now this is our textbook. Uh, we have a confessional uh, that uh, helps us with our doctrine, and we're going to have this to help us with having godly homes. Uh, you want to put your name on it. Uh, you want to always be reading in it. Uh, we'll be in it for several weeks. You want to have read this several times. I'm telling you, this is uh, some foundational and some life-changing stuff in here. So we're only up. We're, we started page one. We're only through six and a half pages. So you've got plenty of time if you haven't got caught up. If you missed the first lesson, it's online. It's online on Sermon Audio. It's also on our website. So you can go there. You can watch the first one. These, these are all being uh, taped. So, so thank you very much. And I'm going to move pretty quickly. You've got your notes. You can follow right along in your notes because uh, I'm going to use a lot of Scripture. So we are beginning. We've already looked at family worship. Uh, A.W. Pink uh, wrote it. It's a classic. Uh, and I will tell you that t having a godly home starts with a godly man. Uh, it starts with a godly woman. But it is really, uh, it's really helped when families began to have family worship together at home. Praying together, reading scripture together, the man teaching in the home. Uh, so you can go back and catch that one. Now let me say this. I unapologetically, unashamedly tell you that marriage is the foundation of all society. It is the foundation of all society. So this topic of the duties of husbands and wives in that marriage is of most and utmost important. Uh, we'll talk about marital duties uh, to you, and uh, it, it is easy to teach you. But I'll tell you, if you want to ask me, if you want to ask Lewis, 
If you want to ask some of these other men, uh, it's easy to teach it, but it's way harder to persuade you to do it because it's work. And you've got an enemy, and his name is the devil, and the last thing he wants is for families to turn their families and their marriage into godly marriages, godly homes. So uh, what we've got to do is be sure that we're conforming to Scripture uh, rather to, than to the world. You've got in your notes there, we come to Ephesians 5.33. I would suggest you either memorize this in King James or the English Standard Version. But I want you all to memorize this scripture because this is the foundation of all that we're doing. Ephesians 5.33, you can follow along. Nevertheless, let every one of you see in particular, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. We'll look at that more deeply. But this is our foundational verse. For the wife to... To, for the husband to love the wife and for the wife to respect the, the husband. It's the only way it'll work. It's the only way to do it. So the first thing we're going to look at this morning is the connection. So nevertheless in that scripture there that we just read is a transition from the spiritual reality of Christ in his church. Another good scripture that we'll continue to look at is Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 21 down through 33. And he says that the marriage is a picture of Christ in his church. It's pretty significant today we're looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in reality, we as Christians are married to Christ. And that's going to be consummated someday when he comes back for the marriage supper of the Lamb. So it's, it's a mystery. Uh, it's, a, it's an example of Christ and His church. We are to imitate it, Him. We're to imitate Him, and we in our marriage are, are to imitate what He says about Christ and His church. And we're to do that also in relationship with our spouse. So the direction. There is a universal obligation to do this. And we looked at it last week in family worship. It says, let each one of you, let each one of you, no matter how good you are or how bad your spouse is, okay, she is to respect you and you are to love her. All husbands are entitled to their wives' respect. Whether they are wise or foolish, intelligent or slow, skillful or clumsy, a woman is commanded to respect her husbands. And all wives are entitled to their husband's love. It doesn't matter if they're beautiful or ugly, rich or poor, submissive or rebellious. We are to love them. And so this is the particular application of it. In particular, are y'all listening? Each and every husband and wife should apply this to their own particular marriage. Everybody's obligated to do it. So here is a summary of the duties. Every husband's duty is to love his wife. That's not the only duty. But when you love your wife, you're going to take care of the rest of the duties. So it begins with loving your wife. He should love her as himself. Hey, I'm a man. I'm a 72-year-old man. I don't have to teach myself. I don't have to teach you that you love yourself. You think pretty highly of yourself. This is both how the golden rule, you know, Matthew 7, 12, do to others as what? You would have them do to you. 
That's what we are to do towards our spouse. And why is he to love her? Because they're one. Just as Christ and the church are one, so is husband and wife. It, you wouldn't mash your index finger. Well, when you hurt your wife, it's just like massing your index finger because you are one. You and she have become one. Now, uh, every wife's duty... Now listen to these words. In the Greek, this word uh, that we're looking at in Ephesians, uh, the King James says, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. In the ESV says, respect her husband. Listen to what it is in the Greek. Does anybody know? Fear. Fear. Every wife's duty in the Greek is to fear or reverence or respect her husband. Both his person and his position. Now, I told you, I gave you a little uh, disclaimer here. We are going to confirm what we believe and what we do to Scripture, not to society. Because I can tell you, society's way of doing marriage, y'all tell me, it's working out really well, is it not? It will never work until we get back to doing it God's way. So this, this love, and this includes love, because if she loves him, she'll try to please him and avoid offending him. So this is the doctrine of the whole teaching right now, is every husband should love his wife as himself, and every wife should respect her husband. That's the way it starts. I, I promise you, this scripture, if you'll do it this way, it's going to work. If not, there's a train wreck coming. Remember, this is God's counsel to us. This is His Word. Clearly articulated in both the Old and New Testament. And by Paul and the Apostle, the Apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter the Apostle to the, to the Jews. Look at Ephesians 5.22. You've got it right there in front of you. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, you wives, be, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. We have some duties to do. It is not easy, but we must do it. So these two duties, husbands are to what? Love their wives. Wives are to do what? Respect their husbands. Are not the only duties, but they're mentioned particularly for one of two reasons. Either because they're the most common failures of each. I'm telling you, we're going to do a study on a husband's love. You won't want to be here for it. Because I can promise you it's going to wear you out. I read that booklet for the first time. It's the most condemning thing I've ever read in my life. Husbands are to love their wives. Wives are to respect their husbands. So, it's either because they're common failures of each or because they include all our duties. If she respects you, she's going to take care of all the rest of it. If you love her, you're going to take care of all the rest of it. Another explanation is that respect is what the husband needs most. Did you hear me now? Let me tell you. After 30 years of studying this... The thing that you need most from your wife is respect. 
That's just your DNA. That's just who you are. And let me tell you what she needs most from you. Your love. It's easy for a husband to respect, but that's not what he's called to do. He's called to love. It's easy for a wife to be loving because that's what her nature is. But she's called to respect. It's difficult. It's not easy. So, reviewing these duties should humble us for our past failures and challenge us to the future improvement. Listen, I don't want you to beat yourself up. If we'd all known better, we'd have done better. Forgive yourself, ask your spouses to forgive you, and decide you're going to do better. And I'll tell you where it starts doing better. Get in the Word and get in this and study it. That's, that's where it starts. All right, so we're going to look at nine duties, and we're going to look at them quickly. The duties belonging to both alike. Now, next week or next month, for us, it's the men's duty. And for the wives, it'll be the women's duty. I'm not going to teach you the wives' duty uh, because Jeannie's going to teach your wives their duties. I'm just teaching you the men, okay? Living with each other, okay? Living with each other. Does that, it sounds pretty uh, common sense, right? He must leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Look at the scripture. Genesis 2.24 Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto who? And they shall become like one flesh. The same. She must leave her father, her mother. Psalms 45.10 Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people. Did you hear that? Did you know? Jeannie and I were talking about this week. So Isaac... Abraham's servants sent to get Isaac's wife, okay? Isaac's wife, Rebecca, probably left her family and never saw him again. That's serious leaving. It's a new family unit. Psalms 45.10, Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thy ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. He must dwell with his wife. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. She is not as strong as you. Her emotions are more tender than you. You've got to treat her tenderly, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers will not be hindered. That always wore me out. You can't be ugly your wife and get on your knees and pray to God. He's not listening. And she must not depart from her husband, even if he's an unbeliever. She married you as an unbeliever, she's going to have to stay with you and live with you as an unbeliever, just as you are her. Why? Listen, 1 Corinthians 7.10, And unto the married I command yet not I, but the Lord let the, not the wife depart from her husband. The other duties of marriage require living together as regular sexual relationships, which both are owed to the other. That's part of the marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5 Let the husbands render the wife do, do benevolence and likewise also the wife unto her husband. And we looked at the 1 Peter uh, scripture uh, well we'll come back to that in a second about why would, okay, why would, you, why would you live together? And remember why we, why we would stay with an unbeliever? What did it say in 1 Peter uh, 
3.1. Likewise, you wives, be subjection to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation. Why would you stay with an unbelieving wife? Well, you married them, you made a vow to them, but you stay with them, you live a godly life that they might also become believers. That's why it's so important, guys, that we marry right the first time. Uh, so, 1 Corinthians 7, 3-5, Let the husbands render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not the power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power of his own wife, body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be for consent for a time that he may give himself to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for in inconstancy. So we are to have normal marriage, sexual relationships with one another. We're called to that. The Old Testament prohibits husbands from going to war during the first year of marriage. Deuteronomy 24, 5. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be at free to stay at home one year and shall cheer up his wife which he has taken. So it's a serious obligation to marry a woman. I would never suggest you marry a woman and go off to war for four years. What's the scripture say? For one year, you take, stay home and take care of the wife you're married. This other, the other flip side of this is it takes time to take care of a wife. It takes time. Serious time. Loving each other, that's the second one. The first was living with each other, loving each other, Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. This is both the husband and the wife's duty. Titus 2.4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So what are the older women to be teaching your wives and what are we to be teaching the younger children that they are to grow up to love and respect their husbands? Love is the great reason in comfort of marriage. This love is not merely romance. It's not ooey-gooey feelings. If you've been married over six months, you've already figured that out. The feelings are going to go away. It's genuine, constant affection and care for each other. Fervently, with a pure heart. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Marital love cannot be based on beauty or wealth. It must be based upon God's command which never changes. The marriage vow oblige for better or for worse. Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, I've been going to the jail for 28 years. And I'm convinced, uh, I, I may use the word, I may not, we are doing a great disservice to our children by not getting married when we have them, by not staying married, and thirdly, by not raising our children to know the Lord. They leave our houses and don't even know the Ten Commandments. And I'll tell you, that's the start of being saved. To know that you're a rule breaker. To know that you need a savior. The marriage vows of life for better or for worse. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. 
The true-hearted love brings true content. It guards against adultery and jealousy. It prevents or lessens family trouble. Love your wives. She is to love you. Number three, staying faithful to each other. Every man should have sexually his own wife and every wife her own husband. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. How do you stop fornication? How do you start stop adultery? Your wife, you take care of your wife, she takes care of you. That's the way it's to be. The marriage covenant reminds us that our spouse as the dearest, sweetest, and best in the world. Why'd you marry her? Because you thought that. You found out soon that it wasn't all true, but you're still to love her. The slightest infidelity, unfaithfulness, even in the heart, may lead to full-blown adultery. Let me tell you, pornography, texting a woman you're not married to, is adultery. Without repentance, adultery destroys both earthly happiness and any reasonable expectation of heaven. It almost destroys the marriage. I want to tell you, if you'll just read Proverbs seriously, read Proverbs seriously and just think, can a man who, for a man who commits adultery, okay, can he be saved and go to heaven? I'm going to tell you, there are some serious scriptures about the penalty of adultery. I know, I know you can be. I believe you can be. But I want to tell you, there's strong scripture in there. Let me just read that statement that came from uh, Richard Steele. Without repentance, adultery destroys both earthly habit, habit, happiness, and listen to this, and read any reasonable expectation of what? Heaven. He's a Puritan. It's a serious thing to commit adultery. Sexual sins involve the whole body, the two people. Deuteronomy 22, 22. Here was the Old Testament. If a man be found lying with a woman, married to an, an husband, then they both shall them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou be put away from Israel. Be careful to avoid temptations to adultery. The man, if the man is not satisfied, this is a great statement. The man who is not satisfied with one woman will never be satisfied with many. Number four, helping each other. The wife should be a helper comparable to her husband. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. They should be each other's helper. Their work, if she works at home and he works outside, both their work shall be easier. Y'all have heard me say it before. I'm not sure that a woman can work 40 hours outside the home and still do the work in the home that needs to be done. My wife wanted me to ask you this question. If your wives work outside the home, why? Especially if you got children at home. Why? Because she wants to? You need to pray for it. Is it because you want to have more income so you can have bigger and better? Is it so you, so you might have more toys? I'm just, my wife wanted to ask you, if your wife's working outside the home, why? So 
So their work, their crosses, I mean, there's some cross-carrying in marriage. Though newlyweds expect only pleasure in marriage, let me tell you, Paul, you're not married yet. When you get married, you'll have troubles. <laughs> who, who giggled? <laughs> okay, that's good. All right, so 1 Corinthians seven twenty-eight. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. But I spare you. He, Paul's talking about if you're single, why would you think about getting married? Because in that marriage, you'll have trouble. But I'll tell you why you get married. Why do you get married? To prevent sexual immorality. You've got to have a woman. That's why you get married. One of the reasons. You may face loss of worldly goods, harm to your children, affliction from both friends and enemies. Spouses must be friends to each other through thick and thin. That's what you need. When you, when you come home and say, I got fired today, you need her. Thick and thin. Help, whatever the case may be. Number three, they should help be helps to each other. Their commitment to Christ. Live as being heirs together of the grace of, of life. So, we are to help each other in our commitment to Christ. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. The highest end of marriage is to promote each other's eternal happiness. And I would add to that, and to raise your children to have eternal happiness. That's the, that's the spiritual end of marriage. I don't have my scripture there, but you know what it is? Malachi 2.15. Why does a godly man and a godly woman get married? To produce godly offspring. His knowledge must aid her ignorance. You are to teach her the word of God. Her zeal is to be an encouragement to you when you have been discouraged. That's what she should do. When the husband is home, he must instruct and pray with his family and keep the Lord's day holy. In his absence, she must look to these things. You are to lead your family in the ways of the Lord. When you're away, she is to do that. Number five, be patient with each other. <laughs> I pray with a guy every day. We pray together every day. I can tell you what he's going to tell me every day. Pray that I will have Patience with my wife. Patience. Especially to our spouse. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away for you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. There are many temptations in marriage to become impatient. Huh? Food's not on the table. It's a little late. It's a tad bit cool. My socks weren't where I thought they ought to be. Hot tempers, are you listening? Ignite civil wars. Y'all haven't heard this lately? Some of you may have never heard it. The best thing you can do is to learn to taste blood in your mouth. 
Y'all know what that means? You wanted to run out at the mouth. You wanted to spout off. You wanted to talk some real harsh words, but you bit your tongue so hard that blood came out. Let me read that again. Hot tempers ignite civil wars. I want to credit that to Richard Steele. I told you this is coming right out of this book, okay? Both need a meek and quiet spirit. Learn to hold your peace. That means hold your tongue to keep the peace. Listen, it is never worth it. <laughs> when you get through, you think, man, that was not worth the energy. Withdraw, walk away, go clean the toilets, or mop the floor, and get past the storm. You are not two angels married, but two sinful children of Adam. Forget and ignore lesser faults. Listen, guys, there, there are some things you just overlook. You heard it, just let it go. Be careful confronting what you think you ought to confront. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've been thinking about it. You know, she's been watching this on TV, and I don't think she ought to be doing that. And so you finally get to the point, I'm going to have to tell her, be careful. Pick the right time. And I would suggest just mention it and let it become her idea. Acknowledge faults to one another and confess them all to God. One of the best, what are some words you can learn really quick? I am so sorry. I am so sorry, will you? Those are some good words to learn. Yield to one another rather than the devil. Number six, uh, Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil, saving each other. Do you hear those words? Saving each other. You are responsible for teaching her and those children that they might literally experience salvation in the Lord. That's your duty. 1 Corinthians 7.16, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? So that's, that's in regard with living with a man that's not a, not a believer. Why would you stay around? You stay around that you might influence him that he might be saved. Why would you stay with an ungodly woman that you might influence her that she might be saved? Or knowest not thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? It's the great duty to promote salvation of our spouse. Listen, how awful it would to, to be to enjoy 50 years on earth together and one go to heaven and one go to hell. If you let your spouse be damned, how much did you love her? If you let your kids be raised by the cell phones and the government, how much do you love them? Uh, ten years ago, we could expect to send our children to school and they'd be taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. We send our kids to school today, they can be taught that queer is normal. And for many of that bent, that is their agenda now. It's not reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
Both should inquire into each other's spiritual state and work to improve it. There's nobody... Hey, listen. When you doubt that your wife's saved, what should you do? Pray. Christentum. That's Christ... Christentum. C-H-R-Y-S. Y'all got it probably in your notes. 347 to 407. Way back. Okay? Known for opposing overreach by ecclesiastical and political leaders, he was ex exiled and died on the way to heaven. That's how he died. He says, let them both go to church and then discuss the sermon together. You know that little booklet you get every week? Did y'all know that thing just flies together every Sunday morning? I promise you, if every family would read everything in that, you would be doing your family a great favor. And I'm giving it to you. Can't waste any opportunities. So he says, let them both go to church and then discuss the sermon together. Novel idea. And, and, and I went home and did what last week I asked you to do. And, and I, I would have done it differently uh, if, if I had it to do again. Uh, just as far as discussing sermons, I would not suggest you go all the way through the sermon. I, I would suggest that you have listened to the sermon, you listen well, you make some notes during the sermon. This is what I want to talk about with my family. Read the scripture, get the key points. Uh, you probably don't have 30 minutes to review a sermon with them. So I learned that this week by doing it myself. If both are Christians already, then they should do what they can to help each other become saints, speak often of God and spiritual things. It should be normal conversation in your home with your wife and kids to talk about the Bible and to talk about the church and to talk about the Lord. That's who you are. Not even, I mean, not even only at home, but that should be at workplace. Everywhere. everywhere. What comes out of your mouth should be who you are. That's a great comment, Paul. Number seven, maintaining regular but moderate marital sex. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable to all and the marriage bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. That's some of that scary scripture. Marital sex is designed to remedy impure affections, not excite them. So you, you have sex to take care of your sexual drive. You're not having sex to get thoughts in your, uh, your mind about what it could be like. You cannot follow every sexual fo folly you can imagine. You've got to be moderate and sensible. You might want to do it. It's got to be agreeable and enjoyable to them. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Defraud ye not one the other except be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So, she ought to know how much sex you need and you ought to be considered that she probably doesn't need as much as you do. Even in marital relations, we must show reverence to God and respect for each other. Just think about what you do in your bedroom. If you're a Christian, she's a Christian, God's there with you. True love does not behave rudely. Number eight, looking out for each other's interest in all things. Help each other's health. Did y'all hear me? I mean, you got to know their health. You know, got to know what's good for them, what's not good for them. 
be sick together, at least in spirit. Hey, I'm telling you, one of the greatest blessings of COVID was I got COVID on Tuesday, and five days later, Jeannie got COVID. I had it 10 or 11 days with fever. She had it 10 or 11. One of the greatest blessings was COVID that Jeannie and I had it together. One should not be rich while the other suffers. I, I haven't seen it lately. But I have seen in the past some guys that dress like they like Mark dresses. And their wives, not Mark's wife, their wives were dressed in rags. That's not right. Advance each other's good reputation. Wow. You should never talk about your wife. You should never share a secret publicly. You should never run her down to anybody. Especially your kids or your parents or her parents. A husband naturally and rightly cares for things that are of the world, how he may please his wife, and the wife does the same. You ought to be about pleasing your wife. And she'll be about doing the same. 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34. But he that is married cares for the things of the, that are of the world, how he may please his wife. So, if we're married, we're not just living for God's glory. If we're married... We're living for God's glory, plus we have another duty to take care of the wife. That's why Paul says, if you can't, don't get married. You'll have more time for the work of the Lord. Verse 34, there's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman should care for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. It's a, it's a duty. It's an obligation for us to live to please our wives and for them to live to please us. I mean, stop and just say here again. Look, guys, if you'd have known better, you'd have done better. If you need to ask God for forgiveness, ask God for forgiveness. You need to forgive yourself. If you need to go home and talk to your wife about forgiving you, go home and talk to your wife. Then move on. I'm telling you, it's high time that Christian men got back to being godly husbands and godly fathers having a godly home. That, that and preaching of the gospel is the only thing that's going to turn this boat around. Nothing else. So this brings honor to their faith and comfort to their lives when she loves us or she respects us and we love her and a blessing to everybody. A godly home, a godly marriage is going to be a blessing to everyone. Is it not a blessing to the church when you have a family trying to do it God's way? Is it not a blessing to society? Absolutely. And only death should separate you from wanting to take care of that wife and, and, and to have a marriage that brings God honor and glory. The last thing is pray for each other. you got these nine. You've got to go back and review them, listen to them. Again, if you need to. Pray for each other. Why? That our prayers are not hindered. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. I'm telling you, 
you know, it's one of those first things that convicted me in Scripture. If I want to be, if I want my prayers answered, I need to be praying with my wife. I need to be taking care of my wife. We've got to be in a proper relationship. I want to tell you, uh, just ask some people in this room. You ought to get up and try to preach a sermon. Have left the house in which you were ugly to your wife. You ought to try to go teach a class. Having had a fight with your wife. It, it just can't happen. There's a real spiritual connection here. Pray with and for each other. Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Why? So she might have a child because she was barren. That's what we ought to be doing. We should pray for everyone. But especially what? For our... You guys got a lips and tongue? We should pray especially for everyone. But especially for our wives. The purest love is expressed by earnest prayer, and prayer will persevere love. Seek times of prayer together. I'm telling you guys, this is your assignment this week. Not only to review the sermon and that out, that that uh, booklet, but also to pray together. You ought to pray with your wife at least before you leave for work in the morning. If she's up, I would not suggest you go in and poke a sleeping dog. <laughs> but if you can't pray with her before you go to work, pray with you when you go to bed at night. At least twice a day. Mr. Bolton, he was a divine Puritan, prayed twice privately, twice with his wife, and twice with his family each day. That'd be a good place to start. Prayer elevates Christian marriage above heathen marriages and the cohabitation of animals. Let me read that again. Prayer elevates Christian marriage above heathen marriages and the cohabitation of animals. I'm telling you, Richard Steele is brilliant. You, you've got his ten pages there. He's brilliant. Who said? Who said? I don't know who said. One of the old guys said that a family without prayer is like a house without a roof. Mark was telling me, was that Friday afternoon, Mark? Mm -hmm. hey, there was a couple of people. There was a, uh, an aunt's house or grandma's house. Grandma. Grandmother's house. So somebody kind of had charge of it. And the, it looked like the roof was kind of okay, but it was leaking. And so uh, he got one. I said, Mark, where'd you get that piece of furniture? And he told me where it came from. He said there was another piece with it, but it got wet and rotten. So what am I talking about? A family, a couple without prayer is like a house without a roof. Rot's going to set in. All right, questions? Comments? All right, who needs a pencil? Paul, would you grab a handful of these? Carry them around, please. Boy, I'm glad I can say Paul and two of them get up. Yeah. You know, if I could get one of them here early, man, we could get lots of work done. Huh, Paul? All right, so here we go. You got your survey there? Okay, so 
I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to read them to you. You're going to put yes or no. We're, we're not going to elaborate on them, okay? Do absolute moral truths exist? Don't say it out loud, just circle yes or no. Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Matter of fact, if you want a, a disclaimer to this, drive to Murfreesboro, uh, go over and, and eat at the Mexican restaurant over there. Go over to Murfreesboro, but right before you get in, after you go past the county yard, uh, on the left is, they moved Tom's old butane business down there, but we're right in front of the old Piggly Wiggly store, there's a, a block building that's got a sign on it. Okay? And it, it's speaking about this matter. Alright? You go over and read that and see how it applies. You guys got it? You got it in Spanish too, right? Okay. Did Jesus Christ live to sinless life? Yes or no? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? And does he still rule it today? Yes or no? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Yes or no? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Alright, that's the survey. Now, I'll tell you since you've circled that if you don't circle them all, yes, you don't have a big biblical worldview. But you really don't know if you have a biblical worldview unless it does what? Impacts what? Your life and your thinking and your actions. Does this biblical worldview dictate how you look at Scripture? All right, guys, it's been a great class. Uh, the assignment for the next uh, week. Okay, so you'll pick up page 7, about halfway down the page. And there it says this. The special duty of a husband is love. So start on page 7. And go over to the middle of page 10. That's the next lesson next month. If you got questions, if you want to talk about it during the month, how you know all you got to do is call me, right?